0: If I read a book and it makes my whole body so cold, no fire can warm me. I know that is poetry. If I feel physically as if the top of my head were taken off, I know that is poetry. These are the only ways I know it. Is there any other way? This is a quote by Emily Dickinson. Hello, and welcome back to my podcast, Everything Plus Everything. Before we dive into today's episode, I wanted to mention one particular thing about this podcast. Since we, the modern age rationals growing in this fast-paced world of internet and mobile phones, and a lot more things far interesting than a podcast, well, no pun intended, maybe a little, So I decided to keep these episodes short, and by short I mean somewhere within 10 minutes. So let's get started. Today we'll be talking about words. Not poetry, not books or others, but words which provide the true essence, the true meaning to not just a book. Or a person, but to each and every single event or feeling you experience. I'm often asked this question when I started reading which story made me fall in love with books? How did I begin to write? And what makes me want to jot down stories and poetry? Oh don't you worry, I'm not going to dissect each of these questions and give you a long, boring and pretentiously intellectual answer, because the answer to these questions is summed merely into five alphabets. W. O. R. D. S. Words. And with these five letters began my love story with this passionate, comforting, sometimes melancholic, yet one hell of a romantic lover. The perfect companion with the three traits I've always longed for, freedom, respect, and mutual understanding. To quote Sylvia Plath, my biggest trouble is that, people look at me and think that no serious trouble has ever troubled my little head they seldom realize the chaos that seeds my exterior now i hope with this quote i've answered the question people always tend to ask writers poets and even readers for that matter we write and we read because words No matter what happens, words will never, ever dare to judge you. Instead, they'll be there for you at your worst. Pick you up from pieces and tend to your wounds like a mother, soft and loving. A reader reads to find an escape. And a writer? A writer writes to let it all out. You know, there comes the point where the two connect, and this point makes me believe in the fact that damage attracts damage. Now, I'm not trying to say that this category of people is damaged or bruised. What I'm actually saying is, we've all been through our own measure of struggles. But in order for words to act as a companion, we need patience. And fragility in its own tricky ways brings patience. Virginia Woolf, in one of her essays, In the Death of a Moth and Other, writes The words are the wildest, freest, and most irresponsible, most unteachable of all things. Of course, you can catch them. And sort them and place them in alphabetical order in dictionaries. But words? Words do not live in the dictionaries, they live in the mind. And how do they live in the mind? Variously and strangely, much as human beings live, ranging hither and thither, falling in love and mating together. It's true that they are much less bound by the ceremony and convention than we are. Royal words mate with commoners, English words marry French words, German words, Indian words, Negro words if they have a fancy. Indeed, the less we inquire into the past of our dear mother English, the better it is for her reputation. So all we can say about words is that they seem to like people, to think before they use them, and to feel before they use them. They are highly sensitive, easily made self-conscious. They do not like to have their purity and impurity discussed. They are highly democratic too. They believe that one word is as good as another. Uneducated words are as good as educated words. Uncultivated words are as good as cultivated words. There are no ranks or titles in their society. They hang together in sentences, paragraphs, sometimes for a whole page at a time. They hate being useful. They hate making money. They hate being lectured about in public. In short, they hate anything that stamps them with one meaning or confines them to one attitude, for it's their nature to change. Perhaps that's their most striking peculiarity, their need to change. Thus, they mean one thing to one person. And another thing to another person they are unintelligible to one generation plain as a pike staff to the next and it is because of this complexity their power to mean different things to different people that they survive but we pin them down to one meaning their useful meaning The meaning which makes us catch the train the meaning which makes us pass the examination with these lines I believe I somewhat explained their immortal power now did you notice that I quoted three amazing women throughout this monologue Emily Dickinson Sylvia Plath and Virginia Woolf There's a reason why I call them my soul sisters. There's a reason why these are my favorites. Well, favorite is not an apt word. Why, they're my idols. Of course, we'll be discussing these three masterminds. But that's a topic for another episode. Less than 10 minutes, remember? Okay, then that's farewell for now. Thank you so much for listening and I'll see you in the next episode. Bye bye